everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode number 398, May 4th, 2016. Yeah. You're Alan Malventano. I'm it's Alan true, Malventano. he is. Yeah. Who else is here? I'm Jeremy Hellstrom, still. I'm Slick50. Slick50, also known as Josh Walbrook. And may uh, the fourth be with you. Yeah, yeah, Ken, Ken's here. Uh, contrary to... I, someone had to do it. Yeah, well, you know, we needed someone to switch... Um, so I kind of went and kidnapped him from Sensi and just dragged him back here by his ears. Yep, we're here. Got a little delayed start. Sorry for the guys in the chat. Uh, turns out internet is doing weird things tonight uh, while we're trying to stream this live. For those of you listening after the fact, well, you know, you don't have a delay. You just started playing your podcast as soon as you downloaded, I guess. Assuming that works at the rate the internet's going. Hey, I, my, my hands are off. Yeah, that. That's all not, you tomorrow. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you. <laughs> Just put um, thirty seconds or thirty minutes of silence at the beginning. That, that, that's what I'll do. And then I'll just, go. I'll no, just no, leave. thirty minutes of tech support at the beginning. Yes, yes. Just like I'll find some pre-recorded tech support calls. Oh, actually. there's a really good uh, line that you've probably heard earlier this week. Uh, the voicemail. What of voicemail? The bastard operator from hell. Oh, no, I haven't heard Extension that. Extension six six six. Oh, oh, if you haven't heard it, oh, it's it's a work of art. I might have to listen to that. All right, really all right. Let's get into this stuff. Um, so we're here, uh, if you want to follow our stuff, if you didn't already know how to follow it, it's, uh, pcpro.com slash podcast. Um, do we still run that email? Dang. Uh, just, uh, yeah, I, I would have it. I wouldn't say e- we probably still have it. I think it's podcast at pcpro.com. I'm not sure if Ryan just plug Ryan anymore. on Twitter any, in, instead. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like the new email. Get him on Twitter. Ping me on Twitter if it's storage stuff. Ping Josh on Twitter if it's hot dog stuff. No. You know. Ping Jeremy on Twitter if it's new stuff. Ping Ken on Twitter if it's 3D printing stuff. <laughs> you know. All right. Um, so, yeah, Twitter.com slash Ryan Shroud, Twitter.com slash PC It's where, uh, you know, we talk about the stuff. Tech stuff. Um, so... Might as well just jump right into it. Um, do we have to? Yes, we do. I guess we don't have a choice. If you go to PCPro.com slash subscribe, we can tell you about when we think we hope that the show will start. Uh, subject to delays. You have to read the fine print, which there is none. Um, but we have a mailing list. It's a real simple mailing list. All we do is just simple blast out like, hey, we're about to start recording either the podcast or if we have somebody in studio um or any kind of a live event that we're doing that's all we use it for we don't send anything else out um we don't ask for money there however uh we do have a patreon we encourage any and all donations to the church of pc perspectology <laughs> uh yeah that might actually be a thing Anyway, no, it's the Church of Responsive Technology. Yes, another the name's still going like back and forth. We're we're uh, we're accepting like you know suggestions for for the name of uh, the church related to PC perspective or technology or reviewing computer hardware or whatever. And for this time only, when you donate during the show, Ryan is actually going to have to read these out loud to his extended family. Yeah, yeah. So you won't see it, uh, but you'll know something brilliant is happening. See, yeah. that's that's kind of sad. Like, I would read them out, but I don't just have, like, Ryan's email pulled up right here, so. Why not? You worked for the NSA. Uh, I used to work for the NSA. Yeah, I said worked. Used to, yes. So that means that 
my buddies yeah. are reading some right. of your they backstories. They should just be forwarding it to you. That's totally legal, I'll, just, right? I'll just ask my buddies to forward it to me. <laughs> no, that doesn't actually happen. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, NSA people, believe it or not, have much better things to do than try to read <laughs> any random person's email. And I speak from experience. Um, all right. Uh, we got that done. We got the Patreon done. Week in review. Uh, oh, looks like Josh is up first. Uh, uh, what, you talked about Patreon? We did. Already? We talked was about, not paying attention. We, we talked. We talked about the Patreon. That's nice. Kind, you kind of pay attention it. now. It, 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 Patreon.com/slash/pcper. There's uh, one more plug. Become, no, that's... become a patron of Patreon. Of, of Patreon. Of of PCPer on Patreon. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, Josh, you're up. Uh, AMD. Europe. AMD stuff. What Major continent. Europe. What? What? Oh, yes. Yes. Major and continent. That too. What do, you, what do you got for us, Josh? A drink. It's beer. No. No. I wish I had more. On the site. The review. You, no. wrote, you wrote a thing. I could want to talk about tech without a little lube. You know what I'm saying? Uh, beer is, is sufficient tech lube. Yes, I agree. Yes, and, and so is that fine, fine Kentucky jelly. Uh, it's true. Very true. Yeah, anyway. So anyway, I, I had the chance to review two APUs from AMD. These are based on the uh, new Godavari car, Core, which is an improvement over Kaveri from last year. Godavari is a slightly optimized architecture. It has not changed anything in a dramatic fashion, but what it has done on of the same essential performance for a lower TDP. So I had the 7860K, the A10-7860K, as well as the A8-7670K. Now, these are two kind of higher-end APUs that they have. Uh, The 7860K is interesting in that it runs from 3.6 gigahertz up to 3.9 and 4.0, depending on the motherboard. But instead of say, like the Kaveri 7850K, one of the first ones that we saw, that was running at 3.6 gigahertz to 3.9, that was a 95-watt TDP part. The 7860K, based on Godavari, essentially covers the same speeds in both CPU and a little higher GPU speed, but at a 65-watt TDP. So I was able to test this one, as well as the 7670K, which is, again, a, a 3.6 to 3.9 gigahertz product. It's 95 watts TDP, but it only has, I think, what? Six compute units, yeah. uh, graphics compute units. Down from eight, right? So it's, it's down from eight. So you've got 10 total when you know AMD counts the four CPUs and then the six GPUs. Uh, but it's, it's running at that same amount. It's got a little higher GPU clock, I think at 820, somewhere around there. Um, so these are, are two products, I think 115 for the 7860K and around 105 for the 7670K. So I tested these against the original 7850K, the original Kaveri, released one and a half years ago, I think. Or, man, I can't even remember anymore. Um and compared them against the i3-4330, which is a Haswell-based part on the uh, Z87 motherboard, as well as the i3-6100, which is the new Skylake uh, performing part based uh, on the Skylake architecture. And 
using for 2400 memory NAZ 170 based motherboard. So we have kind of an interesting combination here of, of, of you know, slower but still being sold, uh, Haswell parts, the brand new Skylake, as well as Kaveri and Godavari. And all of these guys are in between 100 bucks and, and I think the i3-6100 is $126. So it's not hugely expensive, but it kind of depends on what motherboard and uh, memory you get with it. But with memory right now, it's it's insane. You can get 16 gigs for 60 bucks, whether it be DDR3 fast stuff, 1866 and above, or DDR4, uh, which these modules that I used were 2400 megahertz. Anyway, the AMD parts had some interesting issues when it came to CPU performance, and I was kind of surprised by how much of a difference in overall CPU performance we saw from the 4330, which runs at 3.5 gigahertz, and this Haswell again, not even Devil's Lake or what, Devil's Canyon? Canyon? Set up Devil's what? Canyon. Devil's Canyon, yes. And then the uh, the Skylight, which is the i3 6100. Um, the difference between the 4330 and the 6100 was significant in, in CPU. It was impressive. Faster. That CPU ran in pretty much everything. Yep. Uh, certainly, you did get a little bit of a, uh, uh, a hiccup when it came to utilizing all four cores because it's a dual core hyper-threaded solution, and AMD is a two-module with, you know, two cores per module. Even though they share an FPU, they can still do a lot of uh, integer-type work where, you know, it's it's more of a full four-thread product. So when you started going into applications that will actually utilize all four threads, the Kaveri and Godavari parts all perform pretty well with the 4330. So using three and four threads, they were very, very competitive with what Intel had to offer. But the uh, 6100 was a pretty good chunk above. And you would especially see that with like uh, Cinebench and others that are, are really heavily multi-threaded. Uh, Soft has some you know interesting uh, results there that uh, they're showing off. So we're trying to get at is when you're talking single thread performance, Intel has them beat. We can look at the Cinebench 15 single thread. We can see 93 uh, Cinebench units for the 750, which is the highest of the AMD group of these three chips that I tested. And we can see the Haswell scores 139 and the Sandy Lake will say, damn it, not Sandy. Sandy. <sighs> Skylake oh. uh, goes up to 157. I mean, it's it's a big chunk higher than what Haswell was able to do. I mean, Intel has done a lot of interesting work. When we go to the multi-thread test, we can see that AMD is a little bit more competitive with the uh, 4330, but it still gets outclassed by Skylake. I mean, that's... That's just an impressive, impressive architecture. But you are paying less for, uh, you know, kind of across the board in terms of uh, 
uh, motherboards and sporting architecture than you are with Skylake. I mean, it's not much. Uh, you know, if, if you were to take a high-end, okay, let's let's just say this. The highest-end FM Plus board is the Asus Cross Ranger. Wonderful name. Anyway, that's 149 bucks. The top-end Z170 is about 300 bucks, I think. I mean, it's it's up there. Okay. But you can still get but inexpensive Z170s for about the $90 price range. You can get A88Xs for about 10 bucks less. So it's it's a big juggle of 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 features and performance, but you can usually hit a little bit better sweet spot in AMD. But at the same time, you're going to get some really interesting technology uh, from the Intel side. Usually, they have built-in 3.1. They've got M.2. A lot of the FM2 Plus boards don't have these. What were you going to say, Ken? No, that was pretty much what I was going to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it looks like once you get into the points. looks like once you get into the GPU GPU stuff, though. Um, once into the GPU things, the tables turn. Yeah. Uh, AMD has the better graphics part. Now, Skylake has improved things. Now, with the GPGPU, we see the half-float shaders and the single-float for AMD, it's the same amount. So, obviously, we're not seeing support for you know the half-precision uh, that, that we see in some of the higher cards and what NVIDIA is really pushing with uh, you know, the deep learning type aspects. We look at the 4330, which is the HD 4600 graphics from Intel, and we can see that it doesn't support uh, half precision. We look at Skylake, and suddenly that they've got that support there. Yeah. And so the performance of that matches the 7670, which is an 8 uh, GPU compute unit. It's very, very, well, and not only is it very close, but it but it exceeds it. Once we go into, you know, uh, just what I think it's... Uh, Single precision? Gosh, 32-bit floating point, FP32. Oh. Then AMD has a, a significant advantage across the board. And that extends onto double float, uh, well, FP64, and then their quad shaders, which I don't know if many people really kind of use because it doesn't work real well, as we can see by these numbers. Yeah. Um, so Intel has improved their graphics, but overall, in GPGPU, AMD still has a lead. It would be nice if if uh, their next generation stuff, uh, the uh, what is it, Bristol Ridge, uh, handles the uh, the partial. Pres- stuff that would be really great because it would be handy for for certain kind of workloads uh memory bandwidth you know amd's sitting around 14 gigabytes per second intel they're just you know blowing them out of the water with in between 22 and 25 gigs now when we look at gaming we can look at Firestrike, dirt rally doesn't matter the results are, are pretty consistent here when you want to do any kind of graphics work, whether it's it's a basic 3D application, it's a game, it could be a, a MOBA that are so damn popular now, AMD just is outclassing the uh, the HD 4600 and the 
the HD 530, which is not only on the uh, i3 6100, but it is also the the integrated graphics of the i7 6700K. Um, it it's like- only when you go back into Broadwell that they have the uh, not the E series, but the Iris uh, graphics. Do we see them matching and kind of exceeding AMD in in some of these applications? But if you look at Dirt Rally now, Dirt Rally's it's a it's a year old now. Uh, it was early access in April. It was officially released in December, and now it's, you know it's a solid DX11 game. Uh, they've really tweaked the uh, the Eco engine so it looks nice. It's got great physics, all these other really wonderful things about it. And we set it to 1080p with medium uh, uh, sets and ran the benchmark. AMD stuff ran, for the most part, above 30 frames per second. It was it was easy to watch. Um, the Intel stuff, it, it just it just choked. Yeah, it's basically I mean, half. It, like AMD is basically twice the graphics yeah, performance of yeah, Intel. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a second difference in actual usability and... And, uh, ability. and it's something that Intel has, has not gotten there yet. I mean, if the 6100 is still 10 bucks more than the 7860, it's on par with the 7870K, which is faster still than the 7860. Um, so, I mean, if, if you are buying this for somebody that you know that uh, doesn't do like video encoding, doesn't care about uh, really, really super strong. Uh, per thread performance. I mean, they're running internet applications. They're running Word. Run. They're not going to notice a difference in 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 most usability cases, but they're going to notice a huge difference if they go into any kind of 3D graphics. And this is where AMD really kind of excels and and does well uh, in price per dollar with their APUs, and and they are still a significant factor in here if, if anybody wants to do anything kind of fun that involves 3D graphics. So this is the one that AMD hell in. Uh, they've continually put their latest generation of, of graphics technologies and their APUs and they've kept that up to date in the over a couple of years and, and they've had really good results uh, for integrated graphics and they continue to have stayed ahead of Intel uh, pretty much at every price point. So that's positive, um, but again, you're you're giving up single core overall quad core performance is not great, but it's competitive, and the price is competitive, and you get really good, well supported graphics as compared to what you have with with Intel because Intel still has some significant driver problems uh, when it comes to new applications out there, and that's something to keep in mind if you buy your aunt, uncle, mother father, whatever, a, a low-cost APU setup, they're going to be able to play pretty much everything and have good driver support from AMD. So that's good. Uh, power and overclocking. Um, this is kind of interesting because, again, the 7860K, the Ganabari part, is a 65-watt TDP. And if we look at the the uh, power and overclocking setup. We we know that at idle, everybody's kind of the same except for uh, Sky Lake. 
they're significantly lower than pretty much everybody else. That's that's the load graph. So if you scroll up and go to idle, you can see everybody's pretty much the same except for Skylake. That's kind of impressive how they've cut that many watts out. But the Gatavari 7670 and 7860 are, again, lower than the 7850, and this is all on the same motherboard. Uh, then when you, we go into load and scroll down, we'll see some interesting results. The 7860K is about on, on par with 7850K. It's a little bit slower. <clears throat> I believe that that APU tends to throttle a little bit more, so it doesn't stay at a higher speed for longer than the older 7850K. But when we look at performance versus how much wattage you, you save, which is 16 watts in this um, example, that's that's a fairly significant improvement when you consider that they, they are not changing the process technology. It's just design, it's software, and it's, it's how AMD controls turning on and off portions of the, the APU as needed and quickly doing that and being able to <clears throat> reach that same kind of performance while knocking off 16 watts of power at the wall. But then we look at Haswell, which is faster in Cinebench, which is what I used to test the load, and it's and it's 73 watts. And it's even worse when we look at the 6100, which is much more powerful in Cinebench in both single and multi-thread, and it's pulling over only 63 watts. So until AMD gets a, a better process technology available to them on APUs, or with Bristol Bridge, with uh, the excavator cores and the, the, the more extreme kind of optimization that they've done there, uh, we're not going to see them get on a more level playing field with Intel. So overall, God of Ari is, is a nice refresh. It's something that AMD needed. It's something the OEMs that support AMD need. Uh, it, it refreshes their line, gives them new products. Uh, the top end... 7890, I believe, is is a, like a 4.1 gigahertz to 4.3 gigahertz product, still running in that 95-watt TDP plus. The GPU, I believe, is running at 850 megahertz. So it's a much faster part overall. I mean, we're talking about 15 to 20% performance in, in any kind of 3D graphics and compute, stuff, stuff like that. It, it's it's a big jump. Um, so God of Ari is... is uh, the 7670 is fast as fast on CPU, but of course, because you've got two less GPU units, you're going to kind of fall behind a bit in graphics, but it's not that bad. But it's also, I think, what, 15 bucks lower than the current 7860? So that's a positive. Uh, you know, it, it's so compressed down there, you're going to have to mix and match, figure out what's important to you, and you can make a decision. So far, AMD doesn't have a bad choice in there. Certainly, if, if you're going to add a, a, an external graphics, well, not external, but you know, an, a standard graphics card, and you want to do it for gaming, you may want to look at Intel. But if you're going to have that APU do everything, it's going to do perfectly fine. It's going to excel at graphics. It's going to do fine in CPU. And so you know, it's, it's a solid release by AMD. All right. Was that long enough? My throat's uh, kind of raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, it was. All right. Uh, next up, Maury. 
Uh, took a look at an ECS Z170 Claymore motherboard. Uh, and thankfully, pointed the right end away from his face. Uh, yes, yes, you wouldn't want a Claymore going off in your face. Uh, pretty cool looking motherboard. Um, black on black kind of color scheme there. Um, let's see. I mean, most of these motherboard reviews are pretty much the same at this point. Yep. Well, this one did have a couple of tweaks. Yeah, I know that he saw an issue with, well... Yes, he keep goes, scrolling down. I know, I know. He goes overkill. one of them. <laughs> he goes overkill on the... Well, I think that... Oh, no, keep going. That one fit. Like, no, it didn't. Well, it cleared keep the scrolling. RAM. It cleared the RAM. What it did not clear was the GPU. <laughs> that is so, not fitting. Yeah, wow. so if you put a GPU in the first wow. slot and you have kind of... Uh, you'd kind of consider that... Isn't that 140 millimeter cooler... Those, isn't that the size of the fans on that core? I don't kind of, think it's 120. I guess 120. Those are just 120s? Yeah, I think so. Those seem pretty big. I don't yeah. know. Um, but that's but just the, like... On the uh, other hand, you got five uh, 16 by PCIe 3.0s, so it's not a deal breaker that you lose that first one. Oh, that's true. Well, and I mean, I think a lot of people are probably going to have a core a little bit smaller than that, so it uh, shouldn't be too much of an issue. Uh, I noticed that there's a M.2 slot hiding down there right underneath the primary GPU slot. I actually like Which that. Which is another reason not to use the primary GPU slot. No, I like that. I like that idea. Because if it's a, any kind of blower or any, even the non-blower style, they're usually drawing air in from the yeah. bottom section. Right, because those blowers, either even if they're not drawing air in, if they're pushing air out, that... that warmer air out of the GPU, even if it's blowing directly on an M.2 SSD. If you're running the SSD full tilt, uh, that warmer air is still going to cool it. Right? Because the, I mean, M.2 SSD with no heat sinks on it at all, drawing like 6 or 8 watts or something like that, that thing's going to heat up. It'll actually heat up high, hotter than the exhaust coming out of a GPU, even if, even if the GPU was at full load. So, uh, it actually would still have a cooling effect and it would be enough in just about every case I can think of to prevent it from throttling. So, you know, it's it's good either way, in my opinion. Um, and you know pretty much on the primary slot there, nobody's going to want to put a card right next to it, because chances are they're going to have a dual slot GPU sitting there. So, hey, if you can't use the space for anything else, you might as well stick an M.2 slot under there. Um, yeah. For that, it's reasonable. Yeah, other than that, I mean, everything else looked like pretty much standard fare for uh, motherboard review. Where is the CMOS battery? Gotta find it. Oh, it's in between the PCIe slots. Uh, Two and three. I mean... Up on the front, you'll see it. Well, if you use your giant cooler and have to put it in slot two, then that's just a bad position. You know, it's uh, okay. It's where it needs to be, more or less. Sure. The big uh, big question for me on any of these is just, like... Does it have some other way to clear the CMOS without requiring removal of the battery? Like, does it have a jumper that actually sure, shorts, maybe. that actually disconnects and then shorts out the power? Not shorting out the battery, but shorting out any capacitance left on the motherboard to make sure that the real-time clock and all the, you know, volatile stuff just goes away. So, yeah. Uh, is that a CMOS button? Uh, I would almost be sure it has to have one. I think pretty much they all have that, so you don't have to worry too much about the battery placement. In reality, but, but more I liked it because it's handy. Yeah. There is one now thing that, you won't like about this board. That is a super flat board. 
Do you know yeah. notice oh, yeah. how few components are on that yeah. damn thing? Yeah, yeah. it's it's very yeah. barren. Which is, I mean, you know, what what was the verdict on this? Was it a, like a gener- was it a kind of a low price board? Is that what's going on? Uh, it's about one forty. Uh, I mean, decent for uh, one seventy. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, for C one seventy, that's all right. Yeah, not amazing, but not horrible and it's got a nice feature set but the the one thing he did find was kind of flaky uh were the sata controllers hmm. uh, uh, that's weird port two yeah. he was getting well over 500 megs a second okay port four just over 400 that makes no sense whatsoever it's a little weird port four and you know what they got rid of the shield Oh, I mean, I can't even get rid of the shield. I can't even think of a like anything within the chipset or like SATA interface itself that would go to that we could do four hundred something. But yeah, and he tested it a couple of times. That's I I also saw as you're scrolling past, it's only by by two M dot two slot. So that's oh yeah, that's also true. You sure he wasn't talking about? Hold on, SATA port four performing considerably slower than with the same drive attached to the SATA port two. Yep. Huh. That's, it's a send it to you. That's got to be to the bottom just, of this. It's got to be something, probably gotta firmware. I would hope firmware correctable for this board's sake, because that's like that's you don't. That's just not something you hear happens with like SATA ports on at least on Intel boards. They either just I, go, they either go the full speed or they or they fall back to three gigabit, which would give you two fifty, yeah. not like you know four hundred. That's like in between both speed grades, which is just not something that. Is a SATA. It's a bit weird. Yeah. Weird, weird stuff. All right. Well, if you like weird stuff, go read Maury's review of the ECSC once they play more. Yeah. It's definitely got weird stuff in it. All right. Moving on. Uh, So, Ryan, who is now out of the office, which is why we're covering for him, uh, doing some family stuff. Before he went to said family stuff, Pretty much pulled like two all-nighters in the office and tried to do frame rating with a new set of games on like a selection of different GPUs to include the Radeon Pro Duo. Uh, Because we managed to get our hands on one and he wanted to do some testing. So he did some testing. He did. He did some testing. Just some background. Radeon Pro Duo was essentially two by nanos put together on a single PCB. So it means it's 3X... Uh, fully enabled chips, but they're running at the lower speed, lower TDP. Uh, they're connected via a PLX chip. And in th- theory, you should get really good inner GPU communication because there's one hop in between when you're doing XDMA, if I understand this correctly. And unfortunately, AMD still has some crossfire issues. Now, they had promised this card quite a while ago, probably about a year, nine months, and it just never materialized. We saw PCBs and, and mock-ups of them. We thought, well, this looks like it's a product that, that is about to be released, but it just got, kind of get putting, you know, put back and put back, and we weren't entirely sure why. It didn't have a whole lot of communication with AMD as to as to the reason behind this, even though the, you know, the, the Fury X and Fury and the Nanos were selling well, they seemed to be keeping the market uh, uh, nicely uh, uh, saturated with them at the price points they're offering, so there weren't 
any extreme shortages. But uh, we were kept promising this 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 dual GPU part based on 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 the Fury um, GPU. Finally, we received the announcements that uh, they were going to offer this the Radeon Pro Duo, and it was more of a professional card of people who will be working on VR as well as GPU GPU stuff that can utilize that power, and they're going to sell it for fourteen hundred ninety nine dollars. Or Johnny She would be extremely happy. Fourteen ninety nine. Thank so, you. so the negative there is that is the cost of three nanos. That is essentially the cost of three nanos because a nano right now is about five hundred bucks, yeah, right? Yeah, if not a little bit lower on sale. Yeah, it does save you um, some space. Don't get me wrong; you're putting, you know, and you do, and you get the nice water cooler. Yep. Uh, you got the nice dissipation. Yep, all those things are are fantastic. Uh, but we have a series of problems now. We had a limited amount of time to be able to get this out before Ryan. You know, obviously, took time for vacation, which I totally understand. Yeah, um, he wasn't able to do the full um, round of games that we he chose, intended to be the new full round of games. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and the, unfortunately, had some problems with the areas that AMD is really pushing. One, DX12. Measuring the games is really, I hate to sound like a current social justice warrior, but it's problematic. Because Fraps does not work accurately. A lot of the built-in benchmarks do not work accurately. Presentmon They do not fully represent what you're seeing on the screen with the numbers that they're providing you. And this kind of is across the board with, with the DX12 games, which because the tools have not caught up to the products that are currently being uh, released. Now, I think what? We've got uh, Quantum Break and Ashes of the Singularity. Yep. Um, Tomb Raider has a DX12. And Gears of War Ultimate Edition. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we all know how well Gears of War Ultimate Edition runs. Well, we and all know how well Quantum they, Break runs. What's yeah. that? Quantum yeah. Break as well. Is, mm. Didn't Quantum yeah, Break I mean, just get like a 27 gig patch to try to did, fix a bunch of it stuff? It did. I didn't see if it actually fixed it or it, not. They, they said they, yeah, they changed. They got rid of the film grain and all the other kind of like stuff that was put in there. And so there's also... This presentmon thing, which we've been like behind the scenes, you know, working back and forth with Microsoft trying to get because initially like presentmon was working more just like fraps, so it wasn't giving us you know presentmon is supposed to be able to th- uh, be a thing that could give you actual frame rating style results of DX12 stuff, but is not there yet. Like the numbers we get from that are not the equivalent of frame rating data. Um, so yeah. basically, we're just not including DX12 stuff yet because A, there's not a lot of titles for it, and B, we can't frame rate it. And if we can't, it's broke, yo. Yeah, well, it's not that it's broke. We just we can't frame rate it, so we can't tell you if there's runt frames, weird stuff going on with frames, any of that. In, in other words, we can't have those results be the same standard as all of the reviews we've been doing for years. So. Um, and and another complaint that we had is you know why didn't you include any VR games? This this is being marketed as a VR developer card. Why aren't we doing this? I mean, why can't you do one GPU per eye and get really outstanding performance? Well, that one <laughs> you GPU burn your per eyelids eye, when you do that. What's that? You burn your eyelids when you do that. You're not supposed to put your <laughs> eyes right up to the card. You shoot your you eyes know, out, kids. Not good. 
quad TDP, you press that damn thing to your eyes and it just instantly sears it all. It's just terrible. <laughs> terrible, terrible. But the things uh, but you no. see for that second. Yeah. So that's Infinity. that's not something that's not something I mean, neither side can do that. That's No, I mean this liquid VR promises it, but it has not implemented yet. Yep. NVIDIA, I think they're kind of promising that idea as well, but again, the implementation is well behind what people are actually putting out now for the Oculus and the Vive. Vive? Vive. 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 Can never remember. Um, there are just things in, in the present and, and setup that dual GPU, one per eye, it doesn't work yet. It's not saying it's not going to in the future. I think it will, but there are some significant software hurdles, not only from the API, but also from the game engine. So this is another reason why, well, it's part of the reason why we haven't done VR. The other reason is that the the little software magic that Oculus at least puts in, where if it doesn't receive a frame with the movement of the person, it will take the same frame and shift it over. So you've got a strange presentation of frames that does not accurately represent the output of the GPU. It's actually done kind of in software rather than rendering to shift a frame. So yep. it's it's kind of a cheat. You essentially get a continuous 90 frames per second regardless of if the game rendering engine is going slower. Exactly. So how exactly are you going to report that? It's like, oh yeah, this GPU is doing great. It's It's providing this. But in fact, it's really not. Yeah. Uh, let's say we compare, you know, this this part versus something else in the future that's doing a true 90 frames per second and can do it comfortably. But, you know, we compare it to this older part and, and, and people say, oh, well, this, you know, the old thing can do just as fine and it's perfectly fine. We, you know, why, why buy the new? Yeah. Well, because the new one's actually more accurate. It's it's doing the work that you're pushing to it. Yep. It's not going through kind of a software hack to give you a false illusion of, of movement and a change of frame when, in fact, it's just shifting that those pixels to 5, 10 pixels to right or left and uh, giving you a new you know, frame present. Yep. So overall, this card performed about how we expected. I mean, it's, it's about two nanos worth of crossfire. Yeah, if you look at the nanos, results, it's, it's literally like two nanos. Like it's... yeah. It's either the black and the green lines I mean, on it's, that it's chart very there. Close. The, the two nanos will probably go a little bit faster because they're not throttling as much. I mean, yeah. it's it's not a huge difference. It's so but close. But it is it's, measurable. It's so close. It's basically, at least in Fallout 4, it's basically the same line. Yeah. Um, yeah. There were some other variants we saw with different games, like Fallout, the um, Crossfire was reasonably well. You could tell there was a little more variance in the frame times. Um, on the Pro Duo, but I mean, that could just be like driver tweaking stuff moving forward, honestly. Um, you know, that could that could correct that. There were some... Uh, so, okay, so here's a, here's a valid reason for frame rating. Yeah, right here. The, that's a okay. great way to show it. So, and this is something that did not apply to the, the Pro Duo at all. It wasn't an issue with the Pro Duo, but it was something that we noticed on the R9 295X2 and it was this really weird out of order thing like as so this was the side of a building and we can't really 
we could have put video in it, but it's it's much easier to see just in this still frame. But basically, that kind of tear, that weird tear, which was actually an out of time frame. Yeah, because that's supposed to be teal, blue, green. Yeah, uh, it's supposed teal, to cycle blue, through. Teal. Like if you have a tear of something that's motion. In this case, those um, posts in that you know front of that porch were moving from right to left. If anything, they should have just been staggered. It should have just been like a zigzag, not a one of them is in the past versus the two or one of them is in the yeah one of them's in the future versus the top and bottom that are in the past like that was weird it's like they just decided to draw kind of newer in the middle and when you, it was really really disturbing if you just watched it like he was just you know he was just like holding forward to walk through the scene and i was just like whoa what was that and we went back and looked at the results and sure enough it was like it was actually throwing errors that we don't normally look for in like the frame rating results and we had to like go back and and step through this and then go and recheck all the other cards just to make sure that none of them were throwing that same kind of error and they weren't so we actually discovered an issue that that card had uh with fallout that we might have actually missed even the first time we reviewed it which maybe fallout wasn't out then i'm not sure what definitely was not yeah so this is the kind of stuff that like you have to test it this way. Like Fraps wouldn't pick this up. It would just, you know, it would basically just give you give a, you more. It, it, yeah. So and it said the frames went up. It, yeah, yeah. It was just well, no. It, it was it was actually like um, the frame rating data. If you ignored those weird frames, which is what the percentile results show, uh, just ignoring that. Um, you know, you got the results that we got here. So it didn't do anything just really crazy as long as you were ignoring that really annoying visual <laughs> artifact. Yeah. Um, and uh, also something else for, for just like, you can't frame rate VR yet. You can't use Fraps. You don't know if Fraps is capturing what's going to the headset or what's going to, what's the name of the screen that gets put on the regular display for uh, you to, it's a viewport or something. Yeah, we'll call it it's that. It's just like, there's, a, there's kind of a screen that other people, so other people can look at the computer display and see what the person in VR is actually seeing. Sometimes that's not necessarily what, it's not the same scene. It's not scene. representative. Very yeah. rarely is it, it the Very same. rarely is it exactly what's being seen by either eye. Um, sometimes it happens to be like the scene drawn in one eye, but missing some of the overlay stuff. That, sometimes that it's the just a completely different camera. Yeah, sometimes it's a different camera. There's some games where you can actually, like... Um, job simulator. Job simulator. You can actually, in within the VR space, you can grab the camera, which is the point of view being displayed on the, on the screen, and move it around the space. So there's actually a third eye, so to speak, being drawn in a completely different place. So it's like, it is a nightmare to try to capture... You know, and even that is operating at a different frame rate potentially than what the VR headset is doing. So, yeah, it's just the, the VR stuff is coming along, and all I can say is, so are the tools to try to even evaluate it at all. And yeah, it's kind of a nightmare. And we can't, like, it's just it's not even close enough to something where we can accurately review it, and especially do like comparisons from one card to another with something that's such a like a moving target right now. Um, all right, so let's see. Uh, you know, I'd say within the next five months, we're going to start seeing the tools needed to do an app job for at least DX12. I'm not sure how we're going to get around some of these VR issues. Yep. Just because they're, they've got so much stuff working in the background against getting solid numbers um, for these products. So, so you know, um, bear just, with us. We're, yep. we're doing the best we can. But yeah. overall, you know, it's a good performing card. It's it's nano crossfire. Yep. 
and it's got the the negative of, of Crossfire. Crossfire, as implemented now, does not have as widespread support as SLI. And I know a lot of people may be mad at that. Crossfire has improved, especially with the XDMA stuff and, and the latest generations of products. There have been big jumps. AMD is paying far more attention to this than they did in the past. And as reviewers, we need to expose the weaknesses. So as consumers... You know what the issues are, and the company knows what the issues are, and the company can work to fix these things so you as consumers can get a better product. So I know that we often get accused of, of bias and being paid off, but when we hit issues like this, it is of extreme importance for us to talk to you about it, to expose it, and say, you know what, you may be getting sold a bill of goods that is not entirely accurate. But you know what? We work with these guys. We know these guys. They're passionate about graphics. They're passionate about their products. They want to improve what you get, and they want to, they want to make money. Essentially, they want to keep their jobs, and they want to sell more, and they want to have something that not only is competitive, but is, but is above the competition. Yep. And this is part of that. We need to know what the limitations are, and the company needs to know because remember back in the days when, when Scott Wasson came out and said, hey, the 7950 has some real problems, uh, even just using the, the fraps of, of, of frame time. And you know, I know I, Ryan was, was doing some, some in-depth digging at this time, but he didn't have a good way to show it, but, but Scott did with fraps. Yep. And AMD went into that. They worked with it, and they improved this the situation dramatically. And this is what I mean. We're we're here for consumers, not the graphics guys, not CPU guys. And so we we try to give the information that we have. But overall, fifteen hundred bucks for this is is just too much for average gamers and consumers. And we kind of knew that. I mean. AMD knew that. They if are you're a developer, this towards the professional. If you're, if, you're guys. A, if you're a developer or a professional that has to sell somebody on buying one GPU or two GPUs, like separate cards, right? Oh, then, no. I mean, if you're literally a developer. Yeah. If you're using the Pro Driver, this thing is probably brilliant. I None of us are really big on rendering. We don't really have those jobs or that skill set. So we can't test the professional side of this card but i have a feeling professionally this card is actually going to be pretty good yep trying to market it as a gamer card is it. silly some people some people asked us uh like why didn't we test with the pro driver we actually asked amd said hey we have a pro duo you didn't send it to us but we got one like what driver should we use and they said no just use the right color driver so i mean that was that was on their recommendation um and i think for gaming there probably wouldn't have been a difference anyway I bet for gaming there would have been a difference because the project yeah, doesn't been, have gaming well, like it just, wouldn't, it, it just wouldn't. Oh, I yeah, it would have been. Like they're not doing shader replacement and stuff in the pro driver because why would they? So it probably be a completely different package. So it'd be like worse, or it just wouldn't work. It probably would be worse. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it there you really go. ain't what the card's designed for. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're better off with two nanos. Leave yeah. the pro alone, and let the people, universities, developers, who. 
whoever utilized them for what it's you know kind of aimed at from AMD because fifteen hundred bucks is an awful lot to pay with something that has essentially four gigs of 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 space memory space um, and you can compare that to the uh, nine eighty Ti which has six gigs or yeah it's a six gauge whether it's in SLI or or single. Or so gaming wise, what's what? that? Or two three ninety X's with eight gigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would that again probably a little bit cheaper. Yeah, that is a solid not much, but a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Tried and true. So, uh, oh, yeah. one last thing before we move on. Uh, yes, there were gripes that the number of titles tested looked like they were favoring Nvidia because I think they were all GameWorks titles. And I will tell you this. And even really, Ken's, Tomb Raider's even, a GameWorks title? Even Ken's like, well, it's just, I don't think there were any, like, you know, AMD-specific titles. Tomb Raider ain't an AMD-specific one? I don't remember which way this one fell. I don't remember which way that one falls. Uh, but here's the thing. Ryan literally had a list of, here's the new round of games that I want to test. He did not put all of them in this piece. He just ran out of time. Like, he needed to go out of town, and he had to try to write the article and record the video and all that stuff. So he just ran out of testing time. And I know that Hitman is on his list, and I'm pretty sure that's an AMD. If only Dirt Rally was there. And, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's like Dirt DX5. Come on. You no, need it's DX18 not. It's DX11, at least. and it's an AMD product. <laughs> well, well I will say probably product. after the attention no, that we saw, so after the, the, the comments that we saw, but he might even like throw Dirt Rally in there, I would guess, if it's easy enough to test and just include it. it and we have yeah. a strong heritage of testing Dirt and Grid games. Yes. Yeah. I think so we should probably continue. There that. you go. We'll probably have that one in there, too. I know Hitman is one that he had mentioned, but it just didn't end up in there. I mean, there's, I think there's even like another game that ended up not in there just because he ran out of time. I know it looks bad because of where he chose to stop in the list and the fact that they, we didn't hit like the AMD titles yet. But I assure you, like it wasn't like... You know, evil snickering at PC per. How can we uh, stick it to AMD? And, like, let's just test GameWorks stuff or and, something. And like I mean, that. it's difficult to like, like the, we tested popular games that people are playing. That's exactly what he did. Like, 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 like he literally sat. We there didn't and went, go okay. down the GameWorks list and go down the AMD list right. and pick. Like, we just picked popular games. And, and that's the other part of it. Like, the GameWorks or AMD or Nvidia. Like, it didn't even. It wasn't even part of the conversation. Like when we were just when he was figuring out the games, he was just going through. Like he was just sitting right there, going like, "All right, what games should I do? I knew what games." And he basically like went on Steam and he just like listed by popularity and just like looked at stuff, right? Trying to get you know a good representation. Um, but I mean, the long and short of it is, yeah. it's expensive for what you get if you are just doing games. Yes, if you're a university or a developer. You can afford to do this. It is inexpensive for a pro type card, and you know if if you're in that, then get it. It's yep. fifteen hundred bucks as compared to six grand and but plus if, for, for other models. But if you're but if exactly, you're, but if you're not and you're just gaming, just get a second nano, yeah. like or get two nanos. or or like Ryan said in the end of the video, or better yet, just wait. Yeah, right, because there's stuff coming. From both sides. Have you been reading the internet? Yeah. Wait a couple There's months. There's stuff coming from both sides. Wait, card, wait, wait some weeks. This card came out really, really late. It's silly to buy it, especially at that price, considering how late it was out and the fact that there's new stuff coming out soon that's probably going to slaughter this card even, I would imagine. 
Mm. You know, new process um, nodes, exciting stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, well it's, it's, it's going to be. I'm not saying be single GPU. I'm not saying the next single GPU card is going to beat this dual GPU card, but like it's going to be faster for a single GPU and like faster than and a nano. That, but it's going to be seriously more power efficient. Yeah, yeah, serious. So okay. then you can do two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why not? Yeah, you could do two. Then and who knows? Maybe somebody will develop more technology in the chip to have better inner chip communications between mm. two GPUs. Also true. And maybe they might even tweak some crossfire stuff a little bit further, like so that the frame times even look better. Because there were a few games exactly. in this review where we saw the Nanos and the Pro Duo do some weird frame timing stuff, like Grand Theft Auto at 4K. Yeah. Um, and but it Pro Duo. the card, kids, it's the game. Pro Duo did some really... There were a couple of places where the Pro Duo looked really bad compared yeah. to the Paranano's even, and, and but it, I think just it's just software. one last thing to talk about. <laughs> because we've got to go on. Okay. Yeah. Go this ahead. This is going insane. Something to consider with DX12 titles. The majority of performance optimization is going to fall on the developer's shoulders rather than Microsoft and their DX12 API. So... If they want, what, it's really not a magic wand that fixes everything. It is not a magic wand. It actually, developers are like, ah, this kind of sucks because if they want multi GPU, they've got to do some really interesting things on their side to get it to work. Yep. Microsoft is like, oh yeah, we can do that, and I mean, we've we've got these pathways. The API can handle it, but you know what? You're going to have to do a lot of the work, and. This is this is the price of, of having a you know kind of close to the metal API is if you want the advantages of these things, you're gonna do the work. So it is yeah, it's not a magic wand, it's not a silver bullet. There's gonna be a couple of really interesting years of development and learning before DX twelve uh, really comes to fruition. And this kind of leaves just as a side note, um, an interesting gap for Vulcan to come in and possibly take advantage of. But they've got to sell developers on that as well. Yep. So anyway, that's that's the Radeon Pro Duo. It's an interesting card. It's expensive. If you're a gamer, save your money. Do something else. If you're a developer who's actually going to utilize that kind of power in a one-card implementation then knock yourself out because fifteen hundred dollars is a bargain when you come to pro yeah, cards. Yeah. All right. So uh, enough of that stuff. Talking about enough GPUs. Um, on to some storage stuff. So I'm a big fan of those uh, five and a quarter inch bay hot swap, like front panel hot swap things, where you can just swap in SATA SSDs at will. Right. Real easy. Don't have to open up your case to get to the SATA SSDs. Um, and on it, and I, even though it's as silly as it might sound, I still use SATA, like in my home system, I'm still using SATA and the office system here, like uh, the, all the M.2 samples that we have here, they are not plugged into anything right now. They're just sitting on my desk. Anyway, um, that's not to say that they're, you know, uh, slower by any means uh, the system is noticeably more snappy. It's just that I just personally don't need to go that fast quite yet, I guess not really loading them down that badly. Um, especially since I'm just like writing articles and using Google on 
most of my machines these days anyway. If I get back into like hardcore gaming and stuff like that, maybe I'll have to upgrade Dem.2 myself. Um, however, uh, since I kind of like this hot swap stuff, uh, Icy Dock caught my eye with a couple of Tough Armor. Uh, one of them's a brand new release. The other one's been out for a few months. Um, Icy Dock Tough Armor. These are a mouthful. Um, MB998SP-B for black. So the, the 9-9 is like a series, and then 8 means it is 8 bays. And then there's another one that is a 993SK, which is a slightly different drive tray that's used in it. Um, and that's a 3-bay hot swap. So basically what you're looking at is a 5 and a quarter inch bay that can do hot swap of 8 2.5 inch SATA SSDs. Or, if you, if you prefer, a 3.5 inch bay that can do a hot swap of 3 and that's like basically the amount of space it takes if you just stacked three of those SSDs just on top of each other, right? Um, so the trays are like extremely thin, especially on the three and a half inch model. Um, they are, even though they look the same or similar from the front there, they are actually different trays between these two models. There are some models that you can do cross compatibility with the same kind of a tray along the IC dock line, but just not these two specifically mixed together. Um, but let's see, uh, I'll just go right to this part right here, installation and testing. So, uh, they come with these label things that you can stick on the front of each tray or drawer or hot swap bay, whatever you want to call it. Um, the, uh, even though the three and a half inch model only comes with three trays in it, it comes with the full, uh, tree of like eight numbers, one through eight. So if you had a few of these, or if they were in a server, and you just wanted to have, like, spares or spare trays or something like that, um, just numbered differently, you can just have that taken care of. Um, if you look at the rear, they're all just individual SATA connections. Um, the 5 and a quarter model has a pair of SATA power connections. Um, it also has uh, Jeremy's dreaded 40 millimeter fans. A pair of those at the back. <laughs> No, that that's the thing. They're they're only like I think they only spin at like five thousand RPM. They're basically inaudible. They're they're very quiet. Well, you just spent too much time on a submarine. You can't no, hear it no, anymore. No. <laughs> they just they just don't have any kind of real whine to them. Um, it's more of an air sound than a fan whine. Um, but that said, if you're putting SSDs in there that are not really drawing a lot of power and your case is fairly open and you already have other airflow going on, the they left. The fans connected just through standard fan connectors at the back, so you could just yank the connectors, and if you really wanted to get ambitious, you could probably just unscrew the fans and just remove them. Um, so, I mean, that's that's just an option for if you if you really wanted to do that. Um, I did have kind of a gripe with three and a half inch model because it has three SATA data connectors, one for each drive, but then they did they went with a four pin floppy style power <sighs> connector. Really? Even nope. though there is a lot of room, because look at that, there is a lot of room back there. They could have just put a horizontal. Uh, SATA power connector back there. I don't understand why they didn't. No one should use floppy um, power connectors and no one should use Molex connectors anymore. Yeah. Just make everything SATA power and make me not have to plug something else into my modular power supply. Uh, Molex, Molex, I can kind of give someone yeah, a pass. Molex. It's just a bad Molex. connector that breaks I eventually. I know, I know. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's so? just, you shouldn't just, you just shouldn't use that anymore, but at least that's easy to find. Like, here's the example. The power supply that I had on the storage test bed, which is kind of a recent power supply, of all, it was modular, had a bunch of cables in the box. Not one of them had a four-pin floppy connector. Because why would why it? Would it? <laughs> exactly. Um, I think maybe they were going more for like servers. 
Because, right, Jeremy, like a 2U server would probably still have a floppy connector in it, right? Well, it would be there. It probably wouldn't be used. It wouldn't be used. Be there. Well, that's the thing. Like, it would yeah, be there, right? Just in case. Yeah. You know, there, there are times where, yeah, shit, this is the only thing I got. Uh, let's go for it. Yeah, so just be mindful of that. If you're going for the three-bay, three-and-a-half-inch unit for a Buy desktop an system. when you order it. Yeah, just make sure you have the adapter. Just something to be aware of. Uh, they did not include an adapter in the box. Um, but all of that aside, so you can just say, you know, you can just see here is the hot swap trays. Um, the ones for the three and a half inch model actually have a, uh, air blocking, um, you know, kind of piece in the back that you remove when you replace it with, uh, an SSD. And then, um, the five and a quarter inch model is, doesn't need to do that just because the trays are designed a little bit differently. Um, but they basically, you know, they give you all the screws that is, it is not screwless. Unfortunately, the trays are so like, there's. They're so thin, and there's not even enough to them for them to have any kind of room for something that's going to clamp onto a, a drive just on its own. You really have to use those low-profile screws that come with it uh, to make all this work. Just make, make it a friction fit. Uh, you almost mm-hmm. could at this point. It's, these things are so ridiculously thin uh, as far as like where the, the drives are sliding into. Um, and you, you also you have to use, I don't want to say low-profile, but you have to use 7-millimeter SSDs for both of these, <laughs> which is pretty much what you get now if you get yeah. an SSD. That, that's the standard yeah. height. But if you have some older SSDs, not going to fit. Um, and then this is just what they look like lit up. I just had something in bay 8 of one and bay 3 of the other one. And uh, you basically get a green light for when the drive is uh, installed. And then activity just gives you like a flash of that light. Um, so pretty easy to you know, tell you have drive activity and also handy, right? It's individual drive activity, which is not something you would get just from your motherboard, uh, hard drive activity, led. Um, uh, there was a pretty impressive warranty on these guys for something. That's a hardware project like this three year warranty. Pretty surprising for like a hot swap bay, but their whole, what is there to die? Well, their whole stick on this. Well, that's the thing, but usually that's an excuse for a shorter warranty. Yeah. Right. Like, like a computer case. What kind of warranty do you see on a computer case? Like, even though there's nothing to die, it's usually like a one-year warranty or maybe even like a ninety-day warranty. I don't think companies go crazy on warranties for that kind of stuff. This falls into that kind of category, yet it has a three-year warranty. So, um, you know, their their advertisement and their like their whole thing on this is like, oh, it's super tough, and like they actually run it over with a car, like in their product pictures and stuff. Of course they do. And another review site actually ran it over with like an SUV, like one of these, and like no problem, didn't even bend it or anything. And so it's a really, you know, nice design, steel construction, it's very durable. I don't know why you would need to bash the front of your computer that badly, but if you did, this would probably just kind of shrug it off. Um, so the pricing is a little bit kind of server enterprisey. Um, that three bay model is sixty five bucks. The eight bay model is one hundred and twenty bucks. It's cheaper than I've seen even smaller number of bays in the same model with like even things that I've bought. Like I remember paying like one fifty or one sixty for like a like a four bay hot swap five and a quarter inch thing, and this holds twice as many for for less money. Um, so. You know, pretty decent. You could have got 15 bucks off if you ordered this right when I posted the review back in April, but it's not April anymore. Sorry. Um, so I gave these things editor's choice because if you have any need for hot swap 
in a front panel, like this would just be like the default way that I would go at this point. Um, I even went back and tried to find comparison of some of the other hot swap bays that I'd used in the past. And a lot of those companies aren't even really making those things anymore, or it's just harder to find them. So it's almost like these are the, these guys are almost the only game in town. Um, there, uh, I know super micro does make some, there were some people in the comments that, that mentioned that, but, um, when I was poking around there, I just, their, their options were just not as flexible as, as what these are. And we've reviewed some of these other IC doc things in the past. They seem to make just about every kind of hot swap thing possible. They even make like a thing that's the form factor of a three and a half inch drive with the ports in the correct place in the back and everything. But you open it up and you put a two and a half inch drive in it. And that way you can like stick it into something that was a three and a half inch hot swap, like, like, like a Drobo or like a servers or, you know, stuff like that. NASA's if you wanted to put a two and a half inch SSD in a NAS without like a pair of needle nose pliers, try to fit it into the three and a half inch bay. Anyway. Uh, so cool stuff. Um, and I think that's it for the reviews. Is that it for the reviews? Oh, dear Lord, thank God. Thank it's only God. been an hour. It's only been an hour. Three hours later. Um, all right, news items. AMD news. That probably means Josh. So get ready for another hour. No, it's, it's Jeremy, isn't it? You oh, oh Jeremy? it's Jeremy. No, it's Scott. No, Scott did. Oh. Scott, oh, no, essentially, okay. AMD, they joined venture with... Um, what, Natomo Fujitsu? A Chinese company. Nantong Fujitsu. Chinese company. Essentially, AMD is is doing a joint venture with their packaging group. So essentially, they take dyes, they attach it to substrates, they test them, and then they ship them out, out products. Okay. This is kind of limited if you're only just doing AMD parts right now because they're not selling all that well. So, by doing this joint venture with this other group, they can expand to other customers. So, not only will they do AMD products, but they will package others and therefore maximizing the productivity of this company and their factory resources. So, it's a good thing. Okay. AMD gets a chunk of change. They still get access to this packaging plant, but they also allow the plant itself to run at a more optimal efficiency by opening itself up through this joint venture to other customers. So this has had a positive impact on their their quarterly uh, results. And anybody else have any? It looks good for AMD to me. I mean... That's about all there is. Certainly helped their stock market or their stock price. Yeah, their stock well, jumped up like a it, lot yeah. on, on, yeah, on this on this very announcement. Their stock took like a huge jump. Yeah. So it it could have it needed that. Yeah, I've heard there's a at least a little bit of a market over there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know China? if it's very big yeah. or not, but I think there's a yeah, little bit of market tiny, there. Tiny, tiny market. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else we got? Antec uh, P9 window full tower enclosure. So yeah, that's definitely a full tower. All right. Apparently, Antec makes cases still. Uh, Antec still makes cases. I like Antec cases. You know, for a while, Antec was kind of the premier U.S. case and power yeah. supply guy. Yeah. They, yeah. Yep. They had really good products. It kind of fell off the map there. But now they're seems they're coming back up. I always liked that, uh, that, what was it, the 900, the one with the huge fan on top? 
It's like mm-hmm. a 200 millimeter fan on yeah, top. They did that on quite a few cases. Yeah. Yeah. But like like yeah. the P180 was the holy grail of case. And st- it would still be a nice case. It's still a damn good case. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, looks, I'm sure Sebastian will get hands on with looks this. Looks like a nice case. Is that eight, three and a half inch drive base? Yeah. That's, and you notice how you can see through the back there. Yeah. So, there, there's a cutout. Yeah. So, you can get to the, it, so you can mount, uh, heat sink or whatever to your well, and wire management for those drives is just insanely easy yeah oh that's true too yeah like insanely easy yeah that's like an it's allen style case We're just that is the whole thing out that is like an allen I mean, style it looks case a little generic but it's entirely functional yeah no there's nothing wrong with that like yeah. and and eight eight is a magic number as far as like you know they do make eight uh Eight port race controllers, and, and then it and then and then it has the three five and a quarter inch base. So you could put one of those icy dock type things you in could, there. You could put three of those icy dock type. Well, things I, was, in I was thinking about the ones for three and a half inch drives. Oh, okay. If you wanted to go that way. Uh oh, that's true. Yeah, they do make a. Uh, so you could fit what five more in there. I think it's four or five, depending yeah. on which way they're oriented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can really go crazy with that case. There are other case. I forget who makes it. Somebody makes like a twelve. Three and a half inch, like they're all just built yeah. in right on the front uh, case. But anyway, uh, yeah, this one looks good. How much is it? Uh, yeah, one hundred and ten bucks. Yeah, yeah, that, that pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll see what Sebastian says. It's like the wires come pre-managed, or at least the fan, the fan ones. Oh, it's got a fan controller in it, I guess. Yep. Huh. Nice. I like that. Beautiful. I like that they're just building the fan controllers in the cases these days. Everybody needs to do that. All right. This uh, next one, it's entirely Jeremy. Oh, it's Jeremy. Yeah, this one was my it. fault. Uh, Although, according to the commenters, it doesn't matter because there's not a single one of these monitors. It's like 78 by 32 uh, display ratio. None of them are 16K. <laughs> None can do below one uh, meg or one hertz refresh rate or above 8,000. So obviously, it's useless. But for the same people <laughs> on the planet. Having a huge list of the FreeSync monitors from AMD, which now include the response ranges <gasps> and the panel types, Ooh. is really nice. Yeah. Well, so the, the ranges are of, the ranges are necessary because they they. What was the name of that feature that did the frame doubling from AMD? Frame rate compensation. For, yeah. Compensation. Low, low frame rate. Compensation, oh, low frame rate compensation. Yeah. Okay. So that's it, the it, thing. If, you, if you click through that link to the AMD site. We can show the list, and they, they say it there. I think it's low frame rate compensation. Yeah, it's LFC, but I think it's low frame rate compensation. There you go, low frame rate compensation. And yeah. then if you scroll um, down to the list. Yeah, scroll to monitors. Yeah, oh, tab. Do I have monitors to tab. click on nope. something? There's the, go down. Yeah, you have to click on scroll monitors. Down. There's the tab. It says monitors. Uh, monitor products. Where? Monitors. Products. Monitors. No, no, no. Up. 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 Where are you going? Oh. It's an orange. Monitors. Okay. Congratulations. There's the list. That's a little hidden. All right. Um, so it's it's nice to see. I mean, oh, and they give you a checkbox. Okay, this is what I was more concerned about because, like, my thing was, well, the, there is a multiple that you have to be within from the low to the high of the display. You've got in question. forty-eight to seventy-five. It's not going to do LFC worth a damn because it can't the, double. The, yeah, <laughs> if you double, double, yeah, if you double forty-eight, you get higher than seventy-five. So it goes from too low out of the range to too high <laughs> out of the range. So, so if you're doing thirty to seventy-five, arguably useful. I do like how they're just flat out open here, and they just gave you a checkbox. You don't even have to do the math. They're just like, can this monitor do LFC? Yes or no? Checkbox or no checkbox? I am a little disappointed to see that it's looking like around 50-50 here. Whoa, yeah. why are there all these? Well, Oh, wow. There's more 
there are way more of these displays that have a range that is not doubleable than I thought. Well, I like LG. I is, think there's a, a lot of 1080p displays. Yeah, but wow, that's like, look at, there's an awful, there, I just thought it was some of those like ultra wides that had that funky range. That, no, if you scroll off LG, it gets a little bit better. Uh, they just didn't do it for a lot of theirs, you know, but not a great deal better. Five is not horrible because you can oh. adjust your your uh, your image quality to, to hit in there nicely. Oh, sure. It's just when you get into these... I, I just, I'm, I'm just disappointed because... Really is down. I'm just disappointed because I was like... an issue. I, I, my initial reaction to when LFC came out was like, oh, now FreeSync is like equivalent to G-Sync on most of the monitors. But now I'm scrolling through the list and it is not, right? Yeah. Like it's not now, as many as I was No, some of this is out of hoping. date. Sure. Like they added this, but a lot of those monitors are like it's it's hard to say exactly where uh Thrax got the information from. Is it the the FreeSync uh program? Is it from the display manufacturer themselves? Is it a best guess? Because I mean some of them are out of date. It doesn't seem to apply to any of the new patches that we've got or to the panels which can be overclocked. So there's a little bit more information that can be put in, but just having this as a basic reference is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is possible. I think if you, I think even if you overclock, the LFC thing might actually work. Like I think can, so. I if think you can overclock case. high yeah. enough to get, if double. you can over or not under underclock, for lack of a better word, yeah, because because some monitors will go on either direction. If you can get yep. that two and a half x ratio some of them both go that both they ways. want. Because they want two and a half X for LFC, so if you can get that, I think it just kind of flips it on. Yeah, starts doing it. So yeah. you know, and I mean, it's a good place to, to start. A wonderful start. And, and sure, it's still you can't get down to one frame per second with LFC. Sure, because but it only doubles. Cares? It only doubles but so many holy, times. Holy cow! But is, that's, is this a great piece of reference? Yep. Yeah. It's for like a decoder for. Oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's good. I wish we had this for G-Sync. Uh, yeah, it'd be nice if uh, NVIDIA would do something like this. Mm-hmm. Eh? We should just put one together. No, no, no. Remember what happened yeah, last time you built a decoder? That SSD one? Yeah, the SSD decoder <laughs> became a, a, a freaking mess. Too unwieldy. The, look at how many displays are on this thing already. It's yeah, already exactly. It's already unwieldy. <laughs> and some of the information is already out of date from what some of the people were saying. So, <laughs> All right, well, either way, Neat it's, a, it's a step in the right direction. I'm. Yeah, it's a good thing. Good on right. Um, hey, you know what? AMD, because they are in the dog, <laughs> they really are forced to be more consumer-centric. And this is a positive. And hopefully we can see that expand into other areas. Yeah. All right. But moving uh, on. What's next? Jeremy, what's this about the Linux people leaving Windows or something? Well, that was just a tease of them actually going to Linux. But boy, did it annoy people in the comments. <laughs> The the big news, uh, which a lot of people picked up on, is the first time for in forever, Windows dipped below 90% of the market share. This is pretty damn big. This is a chink in what has been previously invulnerable armor. It gets even more fun when you actually dig into uh, the actual numbers that net, uh, market share put up. I, I had a good conversation with a guy over email about it and found out interesting things like last month there was a huge chunk of Windows 3.1 machines that 
suddenly got started up. I, it, That's pretty funny. Lord only knows why. Somebody turned out a bunch happened. of old ATMs. Uh, or just a something. But the, the big thing is that 88 points uh, a bit, 2, 4, something like that, of the desktops running right now are running Windows OSs. Cumulative. That is ridiculous. Like This is not something Microsoft has ever had to face before. They're going not necessarily towards Linux. Linux actually saw like a, a tiny little drop, but there was they had a big spike last month. Uh, older OS X is seeing a little bit of a jump. Other. So things that are not captured by this because there are still people out there running some interesting little operating systems. Uh, Chrome is going to be a piece of that. Saw a big jump. They're almost 9% of the market. It's... It's something we've never seen before. It's interesting to see if this is just a little blip or if this is something that we're going to see, keep going. But I encourage you, I, I link to the Slashdot story, which then goes to the NetMarketShare link. And just looking at these numbers, like it's it's a weird world out there in Microsoft. I, I actually really like to tell you this because I've had a bad day today. <laughs> you boys better smarten up a bit because things aren't as golden as they used to be. Shouldn't every I'm PC keep an eye on it. shouldn't every PC with the Windows 10 anniversary just count for a Linux install now? <laughs> it's got no. It's it's got an Ubuntu. It's it's run like you can run. Yes. Yeah, I mean you know. Yeah, you know yeah. it's got it. But. You can just grep stuff and no, I don't know. About it's that. it's the well, full you, you Ubuntu subsystem running. It's not just Bash. Like you yeah, can no, run it's, grep. It's you can run GCC. You can do really. Yeah. yeah, there's a chunk in it. It's impressive. I haven't had the chance to play with it. Yeah, uh, it's been insane around here. But uh, <laughs> I would anything, like to just sort of screw around with anything it a bit that makes it so just going to amuse me. Anything the future is so I don't weird. have to install uh, Sigwin. Oh yeah, I just don't want to do that That's, ever again. Yeah. And if I'm they can just make that so I don't do that ever again, be so happy. <laughs> All right. Um, well, to 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 kind of transition off of that and into some more of the same thing, we'll just go straight to Jeremy's pick of the week. Yeah, it's it's these guys with the amazing market share because uh, yeah, I, it was sort of like I I had just visited an old friend that I hadn't seen for a long time, and he invited me to go uh, have some dinner on him. And I open the door, and all of a sudden the deal has changed because there's Microsoft sitting at the end of the table telling me, "Pray I do not change the deal any further." And then you so, draw your weapon and shoot at it, and it deflects it and grabs it your weapon. Work. It was yeah. depressing as hell, and thankfully I'm not frozen yet. So wait, this happened There's, back in November? I thought. Uh, yes and no, and, and so did the other thing that annoyed the hell out of me. Uh, essentially what we're looking at is this move to cloud licensing for the OS and for the applications has had some very interesting security and licensing repercussions. If you went out and you bought an E1, an E3, or an E5 license because your pointy-headed boss said it's cheaper. And you have a couple of low-usage Windows application or app, Office applications, like, say, Project. Sure. Guess what? You ain't allowed to run it anymore. Uh, if you use the proper cloud licensing, standalone bot products, i.e. anything you put a license code into... Oh, yeah, they don't work, work anymore. Yeah, that's true. No, you've got to remove it, and you've got to find a different way of doing it and the bean counters don't like changing things, so you've just spent a couple of tens of thousands of dollars on brand new licenses for software that, guess what, ain't going to frickin' work. 
you also looked and said, well, it's more expensive to go the enterprise way. Let's investigate the pro way because I've got to keep a minimum of 500 computers going or at least pay for a minimum. Uh, there are some other licensing repercussions. And the pro, you know, I can still block Windows Store. It's it's okay. I, I, I won't have to worry about these idiots installing things. Okay. Well, Microsoft decided to change their idea. And, oh, no, no, it's it's just the enterprise ones that are doing it. And, oh, by the way, even GPO ain't going to save you. Was, You're going to have to hunt down your network guys and get the switches to start blocking Windows Store. Because <laughs> otherwise, they'll be able to download whatever the hell they feel like. Yeah, any Windows Store apps, right? Okay, so yep. basically, if you had you had a business that was using Windows 10 Pro, like that's what they deployed. Yep. As opposed to Windows 10 Enterprise, like they just chose to go with Pro. Back at the beginning when Windows 10 launched, or you know, somewhat reasonably amount of time after it launched, yeah. right? Uh, so now you have this company that's on Windows 10 Pro on how many thousands of seats, who knows? And they have um, group policy disabled Windows Store. That's just how they lock down their network. And then this update comes out. Yeah. And then that policy, like, it doesn't even apply anymore. Like, the Windows Store just works again. Yep. And the only and, way and to- the entertaining thing is there's a couple of applications on there which not necessarily inherently insecure, but state... Anything that you are using that's on this application is going to be publicly shareable. Sure, sure. So all of those NDAs that you've got, all of that client proprietary data is now living side by side on an application. Well, it's easy to use. Yeah, and why is the client suing us because it's up online now? See, that's what I understand. Like, like I think Microsoft might have to backpedal on this if they get enough blowback because <laughs> – you're well, gonna have you're again, gonna have companies like that. Look, we validated this product on our network, and you just said, "Oh no, it was supposed to be the other way and only apply to the enterprise version." You telling me you're gonna like segment out just a group policy thing that just stops working in no Windows? And it's build? even more ironic than that because they're still coming to us begging to go to Windows 10. Yeah, like, and we're like, "Yeah, no, uh, there's no way in hell th- this you, you is, pay us. We're still not going to do it." That's the problem. This is the exact kind of thing that's going to scare people off of Windows 10 for that business. And we're already scared off it. Well, businesses that were considering it, and Microsoft is like, "Well, look, Windows 10 is going to be the last one. Like, you're just going to have to do it." Well, if people just no. don't do it, they're going to be stuck on 8.1 or even 7 for God knows how much longer, right? It, it, there was just a spike of 3.1 that came up. Well, yeah, but like, <laughs> but like you're scaring, a little drastic, but you get my idea. You, you can't scare businesses off of the, like, that should just be like, that should be one of those things, like, if it was a mistake, assume it was a mistake. Oh, darn, Pro wasn't supposed to be able to disable this with a group policy thing or whatever. Well, guess what? You already pushed it out. It's already been out for months. Like, cat's out of the bag. You just own it at that point and you just let the setting stick you don't go breaking everybody's business and just letting people just run whatever windows store apps they want on a network that was previously locked down that is well, just apparently we're wrong ridiculous. yeah apparently we're wrong uh yeah microsoft figure your crap out before you get more linux users seriously anyway all right so there's that uh next up josh me. <clears throat> if What's you this like thing? GitHub, yeah. you like GitLab. What's that do? Because it's not, uh, you know, absolutely public. You can uh, download GitLab. You can put it on your server. You can limit it to the people you want and not have the entire world see what you're working on. 
I uh, set this up on an Ubuntu uh, install. It's really easy. It's very configurable. And it's a really powerful and nice tool to use if if any kind of software development. So is this for um, is this completely offline? Like well, if you it put it be. if you put it on a server, like it could be a complete standalone, not standalone like the servers by itself, but like in, intranet thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, currently uh, in in the company I'm working for, I, I've set this up on an Ubuntu server, and it's intranet only. They just log in and that's cool. Get away. Yeah. For companies yeah. that for it's if it's something you're maintaining that you can't just put on GitHub. Then, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I stuff. mean, you, uh, you know, plenty of options. I mean, you can still. I think in, on on basis it uh, runs nginx as the uh, web server, but you can change it to run Apache too, and you can apply SSL and SSH. Actually, SSH is is built in already. So those command line junkies and that who want to create that connection, you're. More than welcome to. It's easy, it's free, and uh, it's it's pretty powerful for those who do that kind of development. All right, cool. Um, next you- up, I don't have the link in the notes, Jeremy. Sorry, but um, yeah, I just look at the screen over here. So, Anchor, who makes all the, we're always talking about Anchor crap like USB chargers and. All sorts of cool stuff. I believe your pick last week was Anchor USB cables. My pick last week was cables. And then it turns out they're making like iPhone and like just smartphone in general or tablet um, real like glass screen protectors, which is kind of a sticking point of mine. I don't like a screen protector that's like a gummy, plasticky kind of, you know. I thought you liked it sticky. No, that like self-healing stuff is great for like scratches, not showing and stuff like that but it sucks for like it just doesn't feel the same as the glass that comes on the thing right usually it's a Mm. much harder glass surface or some kind of gorilla glass that's kind of partially plastic or whatever regardless it's not that just gummy stuff that your finger just kind of drags across right um so if you're gonna put a screen protector on something and in my opinion i like to go with something that's an actual piece of very thin glass that uh, overlays onto the surface of that thing feels the same as the original product, except it's protected because if it gets scratched, well, it's the outer glass that gets scratched, right? Um, and not only that, but these things are going, they're selling for like 9.7 inch uh, iPad Pro model from these guys, like 10 bucks. And like, you know, five and a half inch uh, smartphone size ones from them was like running closer to five bucks. So, like, five bucks, you can have an actual glass screen protector that basically is just the same. Yeah, that's, that's significantly cheaper than the last time I looked at them. Yeah. They've, well, I think it's just, from what I saw, it's the Anchor ones that seem to be really cheap. Yeah. Even compared to the, the competitors. So, they came into the market somehow, and they're just undercutting everybody. Um, so, good on them. I like that. Um that's my pick and then i guess that's it for the show so we can wrap up so uh don't forget pcpro.com slash podcast is where you're gonna find the show that i hopefully figure out how to edit and post tomorrow 
And uh, good luck on that, Alan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Godspeed. Yeah, I, I did it semi solo last week. I'll see if I can uh, cover Phil. Uh, thanks, Ken's. thanks, Ken, for showing up and helping. Yes, no problem. Well, thank Ken for you are, you doing. Are, you are appreciated. Do, doing the cha cha with us tonight. It was quite the cha cha this week. Uh, it was. Yes, it was pretty bad. Like if I was trying to set this up solo, I'm pretty sure it just would not have happened. <laughs> but like, sorry, Ryan, we have no internets. Um. Twitter.com slash Ryan Trout, Twitter.com slash PC Per, or Twitter.com slash Melmontano, or Josh D. Walrath. Josh D. Walrath, or Jeremy Hallstrom. Make it easier. Or Ken underscore Addison. Can under, or you had to be right. difficult. Well, someone took it. Someone took it. It's not my fault. Someone took it. You can name. harass that guy, maybe. I don't know. But. Yeah, all right. All right. Uh, yes, that's it. Uh, with that, I'm Alan Melmontano. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. <laughs> oh, he said it like Ken was supposed to say his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Ken didn't. And good riddance. Oh, okay. <laughs> he really quits now. We've all just disgusted him. All right. He did uh, mic drop. Good night, everybody.